Lauren Paler, and welcome to Currency Exchange in partnership with World Class, brought to you by Diageo. World Class is a leading voice in cocktail culture and exists to inspire people to care about what, where, and how they drink. There is a great opportunity to connect with stories of our past and inner present. There is little value in knowing our history if it is incomplete and narrated in an inauthentic way. Your voice has value, just like currency, and collectively telling our stories will play a vital role in changing the narrative. Now let's introduce this week's episode. In episode six of Currency Exchange, I chat with Jeff Savage, Jenna Ba, and Lynette Marrero. Jeff Savage is a Canadian bartender, scotch nerd, and nature lover currently living in Vancouver. After several years of successful cocktail competitions, Jeff had his most successful year to date in 2019, where he began his summer by part of the global winning team for Bulls World's Best Bar Team, only to wrap it up by becoming Diageo's world-class Canadian bartender of the year and moving on to second place globally in Scotland. Jenna Ba is an explorer of cultures, landscapes, and flavors, multicultural by design, with an MA in Creative and Cultural Studies from Goldsmiths. Driven by her zeal for hospitality and the conviction that there is a whiskey for everyone, she is Diageo's new-to-world global brand ambassador, supporting brands such as Bullet Whiskey, Hay Club, and Copper Dog Whiskey, and engaging with bartenders and cocktail lovers around the world in bars, events, and even at home. Lynette Marrero's career began when she accepted a job at NYC's Flatiron Lounge alongside cocktail savant Julie Reiner. Marrero quickly made the transition from cocktail waitress to bartender and knew that the spirits industry was her true calling. In 2015, Marrero opened and is now the bar director at Brooklyn Hotspot, the Llama Inn, and the newly opened Llama San which just received a glowing three-star review from the New York Times. Hey everyone, I'm LP and this is the Currency Exchange Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure and honor to introduce you to three amazing individuals, uh, Jeff Savage, Jenna Ba, and Lynette Morero. Hello everyone. 2020 was a crazy year and I think the combination of 2020 being stuck in our homes and the just having lots of moments and time for self-reflection kind of leads us into what our overall theme for today is, which is self-awakening, community, and identity. And um, I'm really excited for you all to share your experiences and your stories. And um, yeah, I I say we just get right into it. Um, So I really wanted to start off by talking about this idea of awakenings and realizations. So Reflecting on 2020 and how it was truly impactful and where I am today um, in regards to focus on health and, you know, really taking a stand um, in everything social justice. Uh, I think my, my awakening really came in March when everything was starting and I was looking around me and seeing all of these awful things occurring and and really just trying to look within myself to figure out and find, you know, what, what my place was. And um, I remember one day looking at DJ and being like, you know, I want to speak up about these, 
these things happening but I'm like scared and he was he was looking at me and he's like why and I was like I'm scared people people won't like what I have to say and he's like totally totally not a good reason to not speak up and and then I realized you know well what what's the reason for me caring so much why does that matter and um I realized it doesn't so uh that was really the start for me of of what has led to many awkward conversations but fruitful and rewarding and um, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about awakening. So, um, you know, any of you can start, but can you identify a moment in which you experienced an awakening or realization, um, maybe related or unrelated to everything that's occurred with COVID and, um, you know, a moment that has undoubtedly shaped you into the person that you are today? Who would like to start? Uh, I can go, if that makes sense, sure. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe it makes sense to go, go first because I think my awakening came quite a long time ago. Uh, so if we're looking at it teleologically, maybe it makes sense. Um, just a little background on, on myself. Um, I mean, you know, my family, we're not religious people. Um, although, you know, we have that Catholic guilt, uh, stuck in, within us. I think, uh, anybody who grows up in, uh, in an Irish or, or Scottish kind of household kind of has that uh, imbued in them but yeah I, I was never really a religious person but you know I was a young kid trying to find meaning and and found uh, found going to, to youth groups and to, to Christian camps and stuff a, a really positive thing for a while when I was when I was quite young um, and trying to figure out who I was and so uh, you know I got involved in in this uh, Christian work camp kind of thing where we would you know do acts of service and that kind of thing and I, I still think that's that's really great um, regardless of, of your faith you know just that kind of idea of giving back um, but one of the one of the trips we took was um, I was living in, in Calgary Alberta at the time we took about a you know 13 hour drive or whatever into uh, the interior of BC to work on a on a camp that was being built. Uh, and during that, <clears throat> we had a, it was kind of like seminars, uh, all based on different, different ideas of faith and, and that kind of thing. And uh, at that point, you know, I was, I was pretty confused about who I am, and who I was, you know, I, I, I refer to myself as straight passing, uh, but I am a bisexual male. Uh, and I didn't really know that at the time. Um, but I had an inkling of, of kind of who I was and, and, and that kind of thing, just stirring within me. Uh, so anyways, going to this, this camp, um, one of the seminars was on homosexuality. And so, you know, obviously trying to understand who I was, I thought that was a really important thing to go to. Uh, the unfortunate part is that um, this whole seminar was, was really not uh, what I was looking for in terms of in terms of uh, support, in terms of understanding, it was it was very negative. It was very homophobic, uh, and it was really hard to listen to. You know, I again was trying to understand who I was. Uh, I also, you know, had had a friend who was uh, coming to terms with his sexuality as a very young kid, um, thirteen years old, and and decided to end his life uh, about a year or so before that. So it was all very poignant. Um, and the unfortunate thing is trying to find, you know, hope and, and acceptance in a community that, that didn't have any for me. Uh, and so, yeah, it was a really traumatic thing, I guess, you know, hearing all these negative things and, you know, they had like 
brought in uh, quotes from like quote unquote doctors about how bad homosexuality is for you and and all these things and it just like I guess I can refer to it as like a falling off the earth moment um, where I just you know stepped back and kind of felt like I was stepping out of my own body and and I I remember standing up and kind of losing my mind on the speaker and on the people who were presenting and uh just like I couldn't understand why you know if you are a person of faith and person who puts love above all else you could not see and accept people for who they are so yeah that was that was pretty intense um you know I was I think I was 14 at the time 13 or 14 and you know like I said we were about you know 13 hours away from from home um I kind of shut down in the in the camp and stepped back uh we had like what's called cabin time where they you know you kind of talk to your uh, cohort about about your faith and about what was going on and I just kind of shut down during that and then at the end of the night uh I left I like packed up my things and snuck away and uh, left the camp, which is probably not the safest thing to do as a 14 year old boy, but I did it anyways. Um, I hitched a ride into a town about a few hours away into a super eight motel, got on the phone, called my parents and was like, I left and they didn't ask any questions because they're uh, really amazing. I think they kind of understood without me saying anything, but um, yeah, I, they picked me up and I went home. And I never went back to that space. Uh, wow. Yeah. It, it's so crazy, though, because you think of experiences and moments. And often we think, oh, we're, we're, we're experiencing this and we're going through this because we want to find the things we love and we like. But we don't think about the other side, where are the lessons that come from the things that we completely don't agree with or we dislike and how they allow us to really, you know, find who we are, right? Discover who we are. Yeah, I mean, I, I think understanding yourself in opposition, unfortunately, is, is a thing. I mean, I'm sure all of us have, have, have experienced opposition to our identity and, and just, you know, seeing who we are really, it kind of hones the, hones the edge of who we are if we can see who we aren't as well. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for sharing that. That is amazing that yeah. you were able to, you know, come to terms with that. And that's oh, so that's so magical. I love that. I love that you, uh, you know. You experienced that journey and now you are, you know, authentically you. Um, awesome. Well, I would love to hear from you because I know we've had many conversations um, being New Yorican and um, <laughs> just, just, you know, growing up in New York and, and being in food and beverage and also being a female. Um, there, there have been many, uh, you know, instances and situations you've encountered and uh, that might relate to this or might not. So I might be surprised, but I'd love to hear from you your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think what's what's interesting, you know, listening to Jeff's story kind of like actually brought so many things back from childhood. Similarly, grew up in, you know, New Rican culture is very much um, tied to religious upbringing, right? So obviously there's very much a very Christian Catholic sort of upbringing and growth um, that goes along with that. And, and I, and in some ways I, I agree with Jeff, so like there are some really beautiful principles and things that you can get from that. And I also realized listening to Jeff, I'm like, oh yeah, like that's exactly where my, my uh, advocacy work started was doing, you know, I went to a Catholic high school and, you know, part of 
honors, you know, we could take an honors class, which was honors religious service. And that was a, a way for me to lead projects that were in the community. So uh, doing things every quarter, you have to lead a project. So I did things such as um, I would lead the Special Olympics um, group. So I, my responsibility not only to do a service hours, but coordinate and get other volunteers. Um, and then another organization that I worked with during that time was uh, the Rainbow House, which was, you know, we're a bunch of high schoolers going and babysitting um, children who were HIV positive um, because their mothers, when they had them, were, you know, using drugs or, or something, you know, so these kids were pretty, pretty impacted, you know, and their moms were at this place, which was trying to help them get back on their feet and, and change. So, but they would need students like us to go babysit so that way they could go to their jobs and things. And that was a very much a, a thought process of, you know, with that project specifically, it was really sad when you're looking at two-year-olds who can't walk because they're just so weak. Um, but it was a, a lesson in just kind of helping other people and helping people, you know, turn around from mistakes. So I think a lot of compassion, a lot of, um, I learned a lot of uh, those sort of empathy was very strong. And I think, you know, my identity was always, as a kid, I was the, you know, my sisters would pick on me because I was the crybaby. You know, I was definitely like very emotional child. Um, and I think for a long time, I was meant to think that that was a negative. And I learned to just kind of accept that that was who I would always be. And that that's, you know, and there's, there is a moment where I realized that that was part of my identity and who I would be and to stop apologizing for it and being, you know, uh, made to feel like that is something you have to hide. You know, I find for me, like my emotional outlets, uh, you know, being able to cry or being able to, you know, get angry or whatever I need to do is cathartic for me and I don't carry it. Um, so I, I found, I found ways to express it. And I think the moment where I kind of realized how I would keep that in my life professionally was my first consulting job that I did for a restaurant with a chef. Um, I was doing the project and brought another friend on with me. Um, and we were very successful with the bar program and the chef was a very much up and coming chef and his food program was not getting the same accolades as the bar program. And instead of obviously inwardly reflecting what he could do to change it, he just went after us, even though it was a very successful program and being young and my first one, my morals and my pride were very much, you know, like, I'm like, no, this is the program we put in. And I'm like strongly defending this child that I felt like was my, you know, this is my baby. And, um, we're having the, the like breakup meeting and I am just like, tears are coming down my face. I'm pulling out numbers, PNL. I'm showing how profitable our program was as is and that we need to make, need to make changes because we're basically carrying all, you know, making all the profit. But because I was visually falling apart, none of the men were listening to me at all. And my partner, Brian was like, Hey, let's just go outside for a minute. I need a cigarette break. Let's take a break. And we go outside and he, he's just like, you are the smartest person in that room. You are completely logical. And, but they're not listening to you because you're crying and you're frustrated and this is coming out. And so I had to learn how to like, you know, not lose that fire, but learn how to control it a little bit more for those moments. And that's, you know, that it's, it's kind of, it, it sucks. You're like, okay, well, this is just how I could, I like express myself. And it's so intense that it comes out, but I had to learn how to, 
um, control it a little bit and learn how to um, have my moment, know where I needed to do that and then come back in more strong, powerful because as, you know, as a woman in the industry, if I was going to make that, if they were going to judge me by thinking that I was not put together because of my ability to show my emotions and, and release them, it, which is kind of to me like very, I just found it to be, an, you know, the irony of it. I was like, I'm so in control of my emotions that I'm okay with like letting it out because it's not sitting with me. So I had to yeah. learn that lesson in business and that was kind of thing, but I, I never lost that part of me. Like I am a very emotional person. I find it to be a strength, not a weakness, like, because I do think that it helps me understand, you know, in crisis situations. And I think, especially right now, um, you know, it's been a really weird and tough year, but I think because I have an ability to let my emotions out, I'm, I'm kind of daily, like having like my own little daily therapy, because I'm like, all right, if I need to cry, I need to cry. I need to get angry, yeah. angry and I just let it out and I don't lash it on others. You know, it's, it's just, it's very much a very personal um, thing. And, yeah. and, but that's my coping. And I think it's, you know, for me, it's been, it's been a very useful tool in life uh, for not holding in a lot. For sure. And I think it's, it's interesting because we're driven by emotions, right? And I think mm -hmm. the way that we funnel that energy, whether it be instead of crying externally, it's like, nah, man, I have the facts. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to present it to you this way. But one of it, it reminds me of something that you actually told me when I was competing world class, which is like, you really need to conform to your audience, your judges, you need to study them, you need to adapt and adjust and like, keep be authentically you and keep that but be able to adjust depending on who it is you're speaking to, right? Um, which is so great. And I love, and, and you are an emotional person, but like, it's not a negative thing, which is such an awesome, an awesome thing about you. Um, that's, that's so cool. I love that. <laughs> uh, Jenna, I'd love to hear from you and um, about your, you know, your moment that undoubt undoubtedly shaped you into the person you are today. Yeah, it took, um, hi, it took an hi. entire week actually when I was when I was thinking about it I was like well it wasn't necessarily kind of one moment but it was at the end of an year of like probably stretching and growing and that year was uh, 2012 and there's just been a, a, a step out in a, after another so I was like bartending in in London in a nightclub and very long nights and then I've uh, said okay I'm gonna leave this job although I like, love the team and I loved everybody and we're like together for like two years and a half, three years, literally no turnover. So it was almost a family. But I was like, okay, I need to like get and design a bit of, of, of a part of like what my interests are and find a way to balance, um, to balance daytime and nighttime because he was taking over all of my nights and then sleeping for the day. So I've like, what was strange was, because I was fearful to go and actually quit. I didn't even know how would that work. And I really liked the job, but then, what I realized was that you don't really need to quit. You just need to have conversations about what are your plans and what do you want? And there's other people on, on the way that are happy to like support. So everybody was so helpful. They were like, okay, you can't do as many hours as we would like you to do, but you always have a place in here and you're always welcome to work here. So kind of that's, that started from a place of being like, okay, there is the potential to have some financial stability as in to like, still have a job while I'm studying. So then I started my master's and there was just great by being in this world of like semi-academia exposed to loads of ideas. 
because I still remember, I still remember like my first month I was in this bus going home to South London from Goldsmith where I was studying. And it was after, I was like crying of happiness because on that day I've met uh, people that were working within the realm of social innovation and uh, a particular lady that was uh, leading a social innovation campaign in uh, East Africa. And they were using 3D printers to print prosthetic limbs at a fraction of the cost. And for me, that just kind of opened the space of wow. And I've, I've literally, I've spent the whole journey home crying out of happiness of how technology is moving fingers, uh, things and how it's advancing it and uh, what, what people are actually able to do to, to grow each other through it. And then kind of this all tricked into I've, I've, I've started to, to volunteer. I was doing like conflict mediation in community and they just gave me so much access to like create a community and meet people in South London where I was living and kept me really attached to the place. But in the same time that summer, I spent most of it in West Africa in Senegal without the normal agenda when you go and you travel and you see your family and you have such a busy time because I was still researching for like um for my degree and uh just spending time to get all of the oral history and talking to people and kind of tracing the few people who were like left of the age of my grandfather and uh trying to find out who does what and partly on the intelligence of trees really opened me up into this sector of like pan-african ingredients that I've been like living as a spacing um and i guess at the end of 2012 i was like okay so i actually feel hot when i swim in cold water when i don't really know where the journey goes and i just go with it and like kind of put the parts together as as you as you go through the adventure yeah and you never realize why you're you're living it but i, I guess you know even for me even books and movies and holidays and things, I realized they're important after a while, not mm -hmm. exactly why they're happening to me. And then you realize you constantly revert back to that time and those learnings. Um, so yeah, it was 2012. There was a, a year of magical thinking, mainly because it was hard. I was like sometimes working at night, uh, studying at day, volunteering in the afternoons. Yeah, uh, busy. But I've just met some amazing people that have supported me and encouraged me um, on the way. And probably if I wouldn't have stretched to the extreme, uh, that would have not happened, I guess. Yeah. It's so interesting how, like, you you can meet people and um, be introduced to even situations that just inspire you so much that they kind of ignite, like, a, a fire in within you that really allows um, that light bulb just to go off um that's really that's really awesome uh so you know I uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast was because I you know obviously the three of you are from different parts of the world which is a beautiful thing and I think I wanted to really display the not only the similarities but the differences you know I think each thing that you you just we we just all discussed and we all talked about are things that I know that I've experienced at some point um but they're just so unique and specific to each of you. And, um, you know, I think 
what I want to ask next is, did this experience you went through cause you to reflect on your past or to focus on your future and what's to come? And the reason I want to discuss this is because I think it can be obviously one or both, but um, in situations that I've encountered personally, it's for me, it's always one or the other. It's never both. And and there's obviously a significance for that. So um, so yeah, what 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 did this experience cause you um, each of you to do, and what was the significance or purpose purpose it served? A full picture. Jeff, we haven't heard from you in a while. Do you want to chime in on this? Sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think you know I was I was quite young, so I, I think it really was me being shaped uh, to looking forward into things. You know, I was, you know, I have the I was, I was born in a privileged body. Uh, and so this is one, one thing I can really like, I keep coming back to and thinking about um, just how intense it was to feel that, that kind of prejudice uh, in a group of peers and a group of people that were, that were supposed to love me. So I think it, it really shaped who I was going forward um, and looking at, you know, if I feel this about my my sexuality and my my gender identity is like what what does that mean for other people who don't have the ability to to kind of pass through spaces that i can um and so i i think yeah just having that having that in, in the back of my head uh, has always kind of pushed me into understanding um just kind of other prejudices and how they how they affect people in ways that uh you know or might be unseen or unheard and and yeah, I think I think looking forward, um, really, it really did change uh, where my you know trajectory and where my where my passions lay for you know social justice and uh, and those kind of things. So yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I would say I probably experienced something very similar when I went through what I went through last year, and it was like don't really worry about what you did, didn't do before. Let's just focus on what you can do, right? Moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how about you, Lynette? Yeah, I would say, you know, obviously from that point, it's, you know, because it's, I think when things are about your identity, you naturally will look back at things and, and situations you could have, you know, how you could have handled them differently. But I feel like that's just kind of, a part of learning, you know, so it's, it wasn't looking back with regret on any of those things. It's just kind of almost understanding them a little more clearly. Um, so, and then knowing moving forward, I think was like, okay, going forward, here's how my behavior, you know, how I can control the things I can control, trying to work on myself to be able to be more effective to, and use that for helping others or, um, you know, being just even just a better, you know, person in business, a better person in life, you know, a better partner in general, um, in all my different areas. So I think it was definitely about a, a growth forward, you know, and I, and, you know, I think it's funny because you're still, there's always moments of, you know, because if things are led by emotions there, you know, it's, it can be, it's like how you manage to bring emotion and uh, emotion with uh, intended action as opposed to just yeah. like letting it run you, you know what I mean? Like, and there's a, a balance there, you know, of how emotions, 
have to be like, it's such a driving force. And so how to almost capture that energy and really use it as the, the, that motivator um, without letting it run away with you. So I think that kind of uh, control of certain parts of it without also completely controlling it and muting it. Um, so that's just been kind of a lifelong lesson. And I think every, every year it changes, you know, and, and when you're yeah. challenged by different things, you reflect on it. But I do find it's funny when you look at moments like that, that, that come back and, and you're reminded of them and they, they stay with you. And it's, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's a, something that you check in with, um, every so often, or, you know, and it propels you to want to just always make sure you're, you're moving forward, not backward. From that yeah. Point. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I really love that we're using the word reflect, because I often feel that when I have conversations with people about the past, it's always like, well, I regret doing this, I regret doing that. And I think if we can make it a more, a much more positive thing, by using the word reflection, it really is leaning a lot more into the lesson, um, which is so beautiful because there's so many lessons in life. Um, Jenna, what about you? What would you say? It's been really interesting to hear Jeff and Minette on it. Because yeah, it's, um, I think from one perspective, it really made me acknowledge the, that I'm just really, I really care a lot about trees and forests and it, from from the perspective even on in my like in my work life and like my drinks uh, interest it kind of connected even more to like well i clearly my passion point lies within what happens with maturation and like spirits that have spent time in with but um i do what's been quite interesting in 2012 was that having applied to like so many like from conferences to like job interviews or volunteering or everything and uh, I've tested some things and it was the first time that I started to not use my ID name in my Af the way my name is spelled in in a West African name and I started to, to use this kind of westernized spelling yeah and I don't necessarily care that much about it because it's the way the sound is ultimately not the way that we write it and the sound is the same. Uh, but it's been quite strange to see at the time how whenever I was putting my name written in, in, in the form that's so so common for like North America and Northern Europe, I was getting replies. And otherwise I wasn't getting that many replies. And that's why, yeah, that's how I really started to understand or lose some of the naivety that you'd have as like a youngster around the existence of bias and how does it work and how am I how do I work on my bias as well yeah you know it's, it's something you said actually uh uh just like hit the nail on the head for me time which is like when you were saying specifically you know as I got older but like time really does change our perspective about this idea right of reflection and then lessons and um just self the whole picture self-awakening and realization which is so amazing and I think you know I I'm approaching 28 this year and I every year for the last five years I'm just so grateful for these lessons and so grateful for these um these moments where I can you know reflect and think about these things because they're so important um all right. So I think that, you know, when we're having discussions about ourselves, 
we, we do have to take into consideration the things around us that um, ultimately affect who we are as individuals and people. And a community does play a huge part into molding um, us into who we are. So um, I wonder for each of you, you know, what what factor or what part that community and culture play into molding you who uh, who you are? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's it's huge, of course. You know, I, I think we always we always talk about nature versus nurture, and and I think um, it's it's a funny false dynamic because I think it's both. Uh, and you know, I uh, going through world class uh, really did focus my idea of community uh quite strongly i mean it also you know gave me an opportunity to work with with some pretty amazing brands and, and kind of connect those into my local communities in a lot of meaningful ways <clears throat> but it also you know really highlighted that the community that you're in at the point uh where you are isn't necessarily where you should be or where you need to be you know I, yeah I, I think we've all been we've all been in in, in positions and and places where it wasn't healthy uh, and maybe we needed to make a change. And um, I mean, I can, I can certainly say that was the case for me, even, even just a few years ago uh, and, and to plug into a community um, that's really meaningfully engaged and really thoughtful and considerate um, and also plays into my identity markers uh, has been, has been really rewarding and really, really important. So, I mean, yeah, community is, is huge. Um, but I guess all I'm trying to say is that it, it, it's the community that you seek sometimes more than the community that you're, you're brought into. Oh my gosh, that's such a great point. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's also acknowledging that you have the, the choice, like you can choose what communities mm-hmm. you can be a part of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're absolutely right about world class. I, for me, and I mean, it's so funny because I'm actually like looking at all your little picture icons now and each of you, um, I've met each of you because of, you know, Diageo, because of Wealth Class, and um, that's such an amazing thing. And that's, for me, one community that has truly shaped the way that I think. I mean, it, as a collective, uh, each individual that's a part of it, it you know, isn't afraid, uh, afraid to openly express their opinions and their minds completely and, and totally supports um, the individuals that are uh, in their respective communities, but also elsewhere, you know, each of you respectively has been so good to me during this time and just in general. So totally agree with you in regards to that. You're, you're good to us too. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it's, um, you know, it's, it, it's a community that we are, the community that we're in really appreciates authenticity and authenticity is not, it's so subjective, right? It's, it's just who you are. Um, I mean, I, this past year going into uh, the globals, uh, the global competition and, and competing in the singledom challenge was really interesting um, because that's what I focused it on. My drink was all about like cherishing community and, and you know, Canada is, is a, I talk about as a huge country, but it's super cold. <laughs> if anybody's been up here in the winter time, it kind of sucks in some ways, but it's beautiful in so far as we have these circles uh, that I that I kind of referred to in my my presentation, you know, and you're finding that fire, that circle around the fire that you're that you feel warm warmth by, not only the, the fire itself, but the people uh, in it. And and I think one of the things, um, LP, I think you're really good at this as well. Is, is once you found that circle, 
uh, is like reaching back and pulling somebody that needs to be in that circle around that fire uh, in with you. So I think, you know, community building is, 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 is so valuable and so, so much a part of, of where we are here, I think, as, as us. I could not agree more, truly. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's just what you just said, uh, Jeff, is so important. It's, you know, it's everyone, you take what you've learned and if you can share that piece of advice or wisdom with one other person and then they can share it and they can share it and then that is how we can make change and lasting change and, you know, being open about those, you know, our failures and our successes at the same time. Um, I think is is very, and I think a lot of people put up walls, right? Because you don't want anyone to see the cracks, but the cracks are part of what make you human. And they're the beautiful things about, you know, being able to overcome challenges is just as important, you know, as uh, just projecting success or all the time. So I think there's something really beautiful about letting other people in, bring them to the, to the circle. Um, and then, you know, holding each other accountable when you're in there. I think too of love kind of checking in and checking back it's not uh there's a lot of maintenance with community too that you have to find ways of of continually supporting it it doesn't just you know and it should sustain itself once you all start you know checking in but it's it's not just pop plop a community down and then okay now it's <laughs> now it's done you know there, there is a lot of active work to keep it going me too and no too and how it's actually because when you think about us we have such complex personalities that are kind of different according and what you would be when you go to, I don't know, like Sunday school, if you're like a, into religion, then when you go to like your Saturday punk concert, for example. Um, and these, they're all this community of choices in which I kind of we operate, but because they're all almost like different ecosystems and everything, it's, uh, it's a lot how, how about for me, how do you travel from one another and actually like giving back when the same time knowing when to like get your own air and take steps back because what i notice sometimes even with communities they they're great when once you find your 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 comfortable distance into how much some people really naturally want to like constantly lead or be involved i'm kind of a person that it's very kind of some sometimes project focused into how much can I give and how motivated I am to a mission and towards a goal. And then I sometimes did need time back within my introvert uh, life. And actually finding that and um, balancing that has, has, has become a good spike for me to understand how I work with communities. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really important. That's a really, really solid point for sure. Um, so we are almost done here, unfortunately. Um, but I want to leave you all with one last question. Um, so, you know, reflecting on all of these themes and these ideas, awakenings, community, culture, uh, what advice would you provide others maybe going through similar changes and experiences and, um, you know, and acknowledging the differences that we all have, you know, living in different spaces and places, just being exposed to different things. How does that shape your opinion about approaching this with others? Because it can sometimes be, you know, difficult to give advice and on, on a topic such uh, that uh, I guess that's as heavy as this. Um, 
yeah i think it's you know it's multifaceted for sure uh i think the the advice that i would give myself uh when i was a young kid is to be uh open and authentically yourself and i know that's a very difficult thing to do um i mean it's something i'm sure we all struggle with on a regular basis but uh you know being open to what you know you are and being open to what you know you are and you don't know that you are as well, I think is, is really, is really key. And, and I think also understanding that everybody else is going through that same kind of identity struggle. I think always, whether they see it on, you see it on the surface or not, I think everybody's having that kind of, uh, I guess, identity crisis uh, ongoing, really. I mean, I still do. And I, I think, having an understanding um that we're all just just literally just trying our best to figure it all out it, i think that's really helped me in understanding where i where i fit and and who i am and that i'm not like a flawed individual because i don't know uh, exactly who i am uh at all times i think this, this is really key and i guess just yeah when it comes into understanding uh the community around you i, I think having an understanding of other people and their struggles that are you know hiding underneath the surface is, is is really is really helpful and yeah i guess one more thing in addition to that is is just um you know knowing that if you're struggling with your identity uh or you're having you know challenges to fitting into a community with your identity other people are as well um and i guess just some some empathy around that is it really can go a long way yeah, I think that's really important for sure. One um, that. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's kind of one of the things you first said at the beginning, LP, is that, you know, losing the fear of being vulnerable and um, showing, you know, showing who you are to people. I think, you know, that's, I, I I'm hopeful that as a world and we are becoming more tolerant of, of uh, diversity and the amazing different things about everyone that makes, makes it such a great place, you know? And so I think as we start seeing more people demand that there is acceptance, then, you know, not being afraid to put who you really are out there um, is kind of the advice I would say, you know, so don't try to change you. <laughs> for anyone else just mm -hmm. you know if you want to make changes for you do it for you but you know be who you are authentically commit to it um and i think was what jeff said is you know right there are other people out there and there is community um so you know when you're open you hopefully will find that community for you absolutely yeah that's it's truly nice <laughs> um <laughs> It's a lot about like act like in the playground, like that, that curiosity and openness and everything that we had as kids, whether we, you're in like world class and that's highly competitive or in anything, just be curious of everybody and ask, ask questions for them to be answered like openly and, and don't expect simple answers because I feel sometimes people really will almost ask a question, but they already want an answer. They don't have either the patience mm -hmm. or the capacity for uh, complex intertwined stories as life is and uh, as, as people are when they when they actually open up. 
So I'd, I'd say, yeah, accept complexity, know that the universe drives for diversity and yeah, act like in, 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 in a playground and talk to people around you and find out what drives you and what drives others and what are the, the, the commonalities and how everybody can work. Yeah, and embrace the differences, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. the differences are what what makes it unique and what makes us work in ecosystems. Yeah, can you imagine if we were all the same? We all looked the same. We all acted the same. That is, that sounds so boring to me. <laughs> It'd be so boring. Um, yeah, and you know, I think my advice would be um, kind of piggybacking off of what all of you said, um, but be curious, not judgmental, and. And that has really been the, the quote that I've referenced every day in regards to having conversations about um, the BIPOC community, about Black Lives Matter, about social justice, because I have to understand and acknowledge not everyone's going to think the same way I do, right? And that doesn't mean they're wrong. Um, and uh, it's it's proven to, you know, to be to, to really just be very helpful in regards to those conversations and those topics. Cause again, they are not easy to have. Um, and I, you know, you, you'll be surprised. You'll learn a lot along the way. Um, so yeah, I think that you all, you all definitely hit the nail on the head there. Um, man, this has been great. I really appreciate you all coming on. Um, all right, so before we conclude, the last thing we do in every episode is discuss a cocktail inspired by the conversation and what better way to really emulate everything we discussed today than with a Ramza Kappa uh, daiquiri. So what we're going to do is take an ounce and a half of Ramza Kappa, take three quarter ounce of fresh lime juice, three quarter ounce simple syrup, one to one ratio, that is equal parts granulated cane sugar to water, shake that in a um, a shaker tin, strain it into a coupe, and garnish with a beautiful dehydrated lime wheel on top. Thank you. I really appreciate being a part of this. Yeah, it was great to talk to you guys. And yeah, you as well. Thanks, LP. Congrats on the launch. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Many more to come. Thank you for listening to the Currency Exchange podcast. To learn more about Currency Exchange, World Class, or Diageo, visit fohealth.org backslash currency exchange podcast.